Okay, good morning everyone. Mr. Holmes here. I'm going to give uh, these podcasts or audiobooks a bit of a go. I'm going to try and read out the myths and legends that I share with you guys in the Google Classrooms. So I'll start with reading one, which is the variety of different creation myths. Uh, there's some from Egypt, there's some from Nigeria, West Africa, the Chinese one, and Norse one, which is Scandinavian or Norwegian. Um, I'm going to read these to you. I'll pause at various points just to, you know, make sure my pronunciation is correct. And yeah, I don't want to read too quickly. But if these got if these help you guys get your heads around what's going on, then then all the better. So uh, I'll start with the Egyptian one, and the Egyptian one is called Creation from the Waters. And there's a big picture of a like a sun rising out of the sea there, it's kind of cool. Okay, so creation from the waters. Egyptian myths tell how everything was created from the water that covered the earth. This reflects the way that everything in Egypt was made possible by the waters of the Nile. That's the huge river that uh, runs through Egypt. Before the world as we know it existed, there was only a great dark sea called the Ocean of Nun. Everything that was needed to create life was in the ocean, but it needed to be brought into being. From out of the waters, a god whose power was without limit thought himself into existence. He called himself Ra, the sun god. As he breathed out, Ra made the air and called it Shu. From his saliva, he made moisture, which he named Tefnut. Ra made an island to stand on and began to call out of Nun all the living things of the world, plants, Birds and animals came into being, as he called their names. Meanwhile, Shu and Tefnut had gone out into the world and had children of their own. They were called Geb, the earth, and Nut, the sky. They were always together. But Shu, the air, blew between them, forcing them apart. Nut's body arched so that her hands and feet stood at the ends of the earth, but there was room for the air to blow beneath her, just as it still blows between the earth and sky today. Nut became the mother of creation. She gave birth to the stars that shine at night. Each evening she swallowed the sun. My goodness. In the morning she gave birth to it again so that light could shine over Egypt once more. And Nut gave birth to the great gods of Egypt. Osiris, the lord of life. Horus, with his falcon head. In the picture there. Um, Oh no, it's not in the picture. He's... Anyway. Don't worry. Set, Lord of the Desert, the great goddess Isis, and Nefetz, Queen of the Dead. Okay, so that was creation from the waters, the Egyptian creation myth. The next one in our little series is How the World Came to Be. This one's from Nigeria. So I'll, I'll begin. How the World Came to Be. In some versions of this myth, from the Yoruba people of Nigeria... Obatala gets drunk and cannot do his job, so Aludamari sends another god to create the land instead. However, Aludamari later forgives Obatala and allows him to shape the bodies of people and animals. At the beginning of time, when there was only heaven above and water below, the god Obatala looked out over the waters. That vast sea is too empty, he told Aludamari, the chief of all the gods. There should be dry places here and there, 
where creatures can live and look up to see the heavens. You were right, Obatala, said Alunamare, and you should be the one to create the land and shape the creatures to live there. With the help of the other gods, Obatala fashioned a golden chain long enough to reach down from the heavens. Then Orunmila, Orunmila, yep, the god of prophecy, gave him a sack which held a snail shell filled with sand, a hen and a palm nut. Throwing the sack over his shoulder, Obatala hung the chain from a corner of the sky and climbed down. When he was just above the water, he took out the snail shell and poured out, poured out the sand. Then he let the hen go. As soon as a pile of sand fell on the water, the hen began scratching about in it, scattering it everywhere. Wherever a bit of sand fell, a patch of dry land spread out. Obatala buried a palm nut in the sand and a tall tree sprang up scattering more nuts around it, which also sprang up into trees. Then Obatala mixed the sand with water and shaped it into figures. His work done, Obatala called out to Aludamare, the creator, to breathe life into the figures he had made. This Aludamare did, and the figures became living people and animals who spread out over the newly created earth. Hmm. So that was our creation myth from Nigeria. It's quite different. Very good. We'll jump over to the Great Serpent. See your next one. So this one's also from Africa, from West Africa. Uh, I'll begin. The Great Serpent. The image of a coiled serpent with its tail in its mouth, representing eternity and immortality, appears in the myths of many different cultures around the world. This myth comes from the Fon people of West Africa. Nanu Baluku, the one god and the creator, who is neither male nor female, existed before everything and everyone. Aido Hoidu, the great serpent, was Nanu Baluku's servant, and he carried the creator everywhere in his mouth, turning and curving and twisting and winding and bending this way and that. And so the earth's valleys and rivers turn and curve and wind and twist and bend this way and that. When Nanu Baluku had created the earth, it was so heavy from the weight of all the mountains and trees and rocks and creatures that it was in danger of toppling over. The creator asked Aido Hoidu to coil himself beneath it and hold it up. But the earth was fiery hot and Aido Hoidu cannot stand heat. The creator made the oceans to keep the serpent cool and that is where Aido Hoidu has lived since the beginning of time, deep beneath the sea, holding his tail in his mouth. Now, sometimes Edo Hoedo has to move around to make himself more comfortable. When he does that, the earth shifts and moves around too. We have earthquakes. Mm. There you go. Red monkeys live beneath the sea, and Nanu Baluku gave them the job of making the iron bars that the great serpent eats. But one day the monkey's supply of iron will run out, and then Edo Hoedo will have nothing to eat. His hunger will grow and grow until he starts to chew his own tail. Then he will thrash about so much that the earth will fall over and slip into the sea. And that will be that. That's a different one. Monkeys making iron bars. Very good. Okay, so next one is from China. This one's pretty, uh, pretty out there. It's called How the World Began. It involves this rather nasty looking monster. So this Chinese, How the World Began. This Chinese myth has its source in the ancient belief system called Taoism, which says that harmony in the universe comes from balancing opposites such as male and female, 
than good and evil. The name for all these opposing forces is yin, dark, and yang, light, represented by this symbol. You can see the symbol there if you're reading along. In the great beginning, there was only chaos, made up of two kinds of energy, yin and yang. Chaos was held within an enormous egg, along with a divine being called Pan Ku. Chaos fought with itself until eventually the egg burst and chaos escaped. Yin, the cold, light energy, drifted up to become the heavens. The warm, heavy energy, Yang, sank down and became the earth. Yin and Yang still wanted to fight with one another, so Pan Ku had to stand between them and push them apart. As he did this, he grew and grew and grew. At last, after 18,000 years, Pan Ku was an enormous giant. There he is. Not a very nice looking fella. And heaven and earth were so distant from one another that they could not harm each other. Pan Ku's work was finished. He was very, very old and very, very tired. So the giant lay down upon the earth he had created and prepared to die. As he died, a miracle happened. Pan Ku's hands and feet became the four quarters of our earth. His head turned into the mountains that rise up from the earth, and his eyes became the sun and moon. A thousand different plants and trees grew from his skin and hair. His breath was transformed into the wind and clouds, and his voice into the rolling thunder from the heavens. His teeth, bones and marrow became the metals, rocks and precious stones within the earth, and his sweat turned into flowing rivers. Last of all, the fleas and lice that leaped and crept all over his hairy body became the human beings. Very nice who have lived on Panku's earth ever since. There you go, that's the Chinese creation myth, old Panku. There you go. Okay, and the last little one in reading one is from Scandinavia, so that's those countries way up at the top of Europe, Finland, Norway, Sweden. Um, it's called The Heavens and the World Below. Wow, that's a hard word to pronounce. I'll call it... Yudrasil, we'll say Yudrasil, the tree that supports the universe in North mythology was said to have sprung from the body of Mir, the frost giant. Mir's body was believed to remain beneath the tree and every now and then he tries to shake it off, causing the earth to shudder and quake. Okay, at the beginning of time there was only frost and ice and Mir, the frost giant, and Odumla, his cow, were the only two beings to inhabit this frozen expanse. You can see him there, his cow. One day, Odumla was licking some ice when suddenly a hare appeared. The next day, an entire head appeared, and the day after that, a whole being emerged. This was Bor, the first god. Bor and his wife, Besla, created three more gods, Odin, Vili, and Ve, who slew the giant Mir. From Mir's flesh, the gods made the earth. His bones became the mountains, his skull became the heavens, and Mir's blood became the dark seas. And Odin placed the moon and the sun in the heavens, and trees and plants began to grow. But the world still seemed incomplete, so Odin and his brother took two trees and made a man and a woman, whom they called Aski and Embla. Then, from Mir's eyebrows, the gods made a world called Midgard, which they gave to Aski and Embla as their home. These two became the ancestors of the entire human race. The gods were now ready to give order to the universe, and they divided it into, the, it into three levels. At the highest level was Asgard, home of the gods, reached by a rainbow bridge. I think that's mentioned in the, one of those Thor movies. 
Below that was Midgard, home of human beings, Jotunheim, the land of the giants, and Nidavellir and Svartalheim, where dwarves and elves lived. At the bottom were Nilfheim and Hel, the homes of the dead. Supporting everything was Yudrazul, a mighty ash tree. Yudrazul's trunk runs through the heart of the universe, and its roots and branches spread throughout all creation. Okay, so that's reading one, various creation myths. Hopefully you've been able to follow along and with the illustrations and hopefully get your heads around how these, um, how these myths operate and what, what they're saying. And uh, yeah, I uh, hope it's been of some sort of use.